Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church. I am so glad you are here. We are so glad that you are here, whether you are in the room this morning, whether you are joining us online, perhaps you're listening in on the radio. I want to welcome all of you. Uh, If you are here for the very first time, we are so honored that you chose to worship with us today. My name is Matt, and I am one of the pastors here, and this is week number two of a sermon series called Wrecked and Restored. How to heal or heal from a broken relationship. Well, last week we discovered how we all need relationships, but they need to be the right kinds of relationships. This week we're going to talk about the wrong kinds of relationships. And I just want to give you a fair warning this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a really tough one. But first, I want to tell you a story. Four years ago, this summer, as I was getting ready for work, my phone rang. And I looked at the caller ID, and it was my oldest son, Drew. And I knew something was wrong because he had just left for his summer job 10 minutes earlier. And since it took 25 minutes from him, for him to get from our house to his work, I knew one of two things were happening. Now, either he was calling me while driving, which is illegal in Illinois, and he's not allowed to do that, or he wasn't driving. And if he wasn't driving, then something was wrong because he was supposed to be driving. Now, these are the kinds of things that race through your brain at lightning speed when you have a 16-year-old driver. And so I had all those thoughts in the two seconds it took me to answer the phone. And so I accepted the call, and without even saying hello, I said, what's wrong? And he said, Dad, I had a wreck. And I said, are you okay? And he said, I think so, but I'm shook up. And I said, where are you? And, and he told me, and I said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And when I got there, the car was in the ditch on the side of the road, and the bumpers and the fenders, they were strewn in the ditch behind the car, and you could see where he swerved off the road and where he, he got air for about 10 feet, which I thought was a pretty good little bunny hop, and where he crashed down again. And there were mechanical parts hanging out of the car, and we began the process of calling all the right people and getting the car towed to the local body shop and working with the insurance company, and they began assessing whether or not to restore the wrecked car or total it and walk away. Well, last week we said there are lots of people driving around with wrecked relationships. Now, for you, that 
wrecked relationship might be romantic, that relationship might be platonic, that relationship might be with your best friend, that relationship might be with your parent or with your adult child or with an ex-spouse, that relationship might be with a neighbor or a coworker, that relationship might be with a classmate or a social media friend, that relationship might even be with a, a person at church or someone you're in a Bible study group with. And of course, many relationships are healthy and whole, but some relationships are a wreck, and some people with whom you are in a relationship are a wreck. And the thing we want to answer today is, when is it okay to total it and walk away? Now, incidentally, our insurance company said my son's car wasn't worth fixing. They said, time to total it and walk away. Like a wrecked car, there are times in our lives when we need to evaluate our relationships and ask the question, when do we total it and walk away? And I think this is an especially difficult question for Christ followers. And what I mean is when we start thinking about walking away from a wrecked relationship, we tend to remember, remember Bible verses like Luke chapter 6, verse 37, which says, do not judge, you will not be judged, do not condemn, you will not be condemned. And it says, forgive and you will be forgiven. And then there's Malachi 2.16. In the King James translation, it says, for the Lord God of Israel says he hates divorce. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. And when we read these verses and many other verses like them, we might be tempted to think that it is always wrong to walk away and there's never a good time to move on from a wrecked relationship. But we're going to see today how these verses, which are potentially very helpful and very healing verses, these verses don't tell the whole story from Scripture about when to restore a relationship and when to walk away. So here's what we're going to discover today. Walking away is not always okay. But sometimes it's the better way. That is the main idea of our message for today. Walking away is not always okay. But sometimes it is the better way. And sometimes you can restore a relationship, and many times God wants you to restore the relationship, but sometimes he says it's okay to walk away. And so the first thing that I want to show you from Scripture this morning is that sometimes even God walks away from a relationship. That's number one, if you are taking notes this morning. Sometimes even God turns away from a relationship. Now, some of you, depending on your theological background, you might be uncomfortable with this kind of language, but if you read Scripture for what it says, then Scripture is very clear that sometimes God turns away. 
Check out Hosea chapter five, verse six from the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. It says, when they go with their flocks and herds and seek the Lord, they will not find him. Why? It says he has withdrawn himself from them. Check out 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, which I think is particularly relevant to our discussion today because it involves specifically the relationships between husbands and wives. Here's what it says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, you cannot have a hostile relationship with your wife and a peaceful relationship with God. Let me say that again. You cannot have a hostile and even abusive, especially abusive relationship with your wife and have a peaceful relationship with God. If you mistreat your wife, God will turn away from you to the point that he will not even hear your prayers. You know, there's an entire book in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, that is dedicated to this subject of walking away. It was written to Jewish Christians living in the first century who were walking away from their faith in Christ and they were returning to Judaism. And the book of Hebrews insists, if you abandon your faith in God, if you turn away from God, then God will turn away from you. Hebrews 10, 26 phrases it like this. No sacrifice for your sins will remain. The scripture is clear that sometimes, now I'm not saying all the time, I'm not saying oftentimes, I'm not saying most of the time, I'm certainly not saying that God walks away and then he comes back and then he walks away and then he comes back and then he walks away and then he comes back, but sometimes God turns away from a relationship. Now, the second thing I want to show you from Scripture is that sometimes God's people walk away from a relationship with God's blessing, with God's affirmation, with God's support. And that's number two. Sometimes God blesses people to walk away from a relationship. There's an important story in the Gospels where Jesus sends out his disciples to share his teachings with the people throughout Israel. And, and, and you might know that he, he called each of his 12 disciples to follow him and he was with them for three years and he taught each of them and he worked with each of them and he trained each of them to teach others and then he sent them out to share the good news of the kingdom of God coming to earth through Jesus. But before he sent them out, he gave them a final word of instruction, then he gave them a word of encouragement, but then he gave them a word of caution. And this must be really important, a really important part of the gospel narrative because it's not recorded once, it's, it's not even recorded twice, it's recorded three times. This story is found in Matthew's gospel, in Mark's gospel, and in Luke's gospel, and it is relevant to our discussion today because in each record of this story, Jesus gives his disciples permission to move on, to walk away, to turn away from those who reject them. Matthew 10, 14, Jesus says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your 
feet. Mark chapter 6, verse 11 says, And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. Luke chapter 9, verse 5 says, If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off of your feet. And you might wonder, what does shaking the dust off of your feet mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Shaking the dust off of your feet is the same idea as our phrase, I wash my hands of it. Shaking the dust off of your feet means that you have done all that can be done in a situation and you carry no further responsibility for it. Once rejected, once the disciples of Jesus had done all that they could for someone or some family or even for some town, Jesus blessed them to, to wash their hands of it, to shake the dust off of their feet, to walk away and move on. And whether we are talking about sharing the gospel or restoring a relationship, if you have done all that you can, if you have worked as hard as you can, if you have done your part, if you have exhausted your responsibility and it is going nowhere, then perhaps it's time to shake the dust off of your feet and walk away. Now, you might wonder whether or not there are specific situations mentioned in scripture where God blesses his people to walk away from a relationship. And clearly from what we have just read, if you're trying to lovingly share Jesus with someone and they're relentlessly hostile and hateful to you in response, then you are permitted, even blessed, to walk away. What else, though? Are there other situations in scripture where God blesses you, allows you, perhaps even encourages you to walk away? The answer is yes. There are at least three situations that are mentioned in Scripture where God allows, blesses, perhaps even encourages you to walk away. And I want to show you those three situations today where it is clearly okay to walk away. Now, before we get to them, I just want to say these three things primarily apply to romantic relationships and family situations, more specifically to the context of marriage, but I think there are various applications to non-romantic relationships as well. So, three situations when it's okay to walk away. Number one, adultery. Adultery. In the case of adultery, actually in the case of any form of persistent sexual immorality, the Bible makes it clear, Jesus makes it clear that the victimized spouse is free to walk away from the relationship. Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery except for in cases of sexual immorality. Now, when Jesus says sexual immorality, the Greek word is pornea, from which we get our English word pornography, and the word refers to any kind of sexual activity outside the boundaries of marriage as Jesus defined it. Also, the grammar of this word Pornea suggests not a one-time action or a one-time incident, but an ongoing, repeated, unrelenting, unrepented behavior. 
It's not that a person made a mistake or messed up, but the person persists in that behavior. And so we're not talking about one instance of adultery. We're talking about systemic adultery or pornography or sexual perversion where Jesus says, essentially, you are permitted to move on from that marriage without fault. And again, Jesus is not talking about a one-time thing. I think it's possible for a spouse to mess up to, for whatever reason, get involved with someone other than their spouse to realize the error of their ways, to repent and be restored. When there's confession and repentance and genuine sorrow and authentic change, there can be restoration and healing. God has saved, and I have been witnessed to this numerous times, God has healed and saved many, many marriages where there was confession and repentance and sorrow and change. But that's not what we're talking about here. Jesus is talking about a repeat offender and not just a repeat offender, but an unrepentant offender. Someone who says, well, that's just the way things are or that's just the way that I am or you're just gonna have to live with that or it's your fault, not mine. You don't have to stay in that kind of relationship. Several years ago, I was advising a couple. They were having serious trouble in their marriage. They felt like advice from a pastor might be helpful. They really weren't part of our church, but, but they were connected in some ways with our church. And so they came to me, and I think she came to me because she generally di- genuinely did not know like, what was the right thing to do in her situation with her marriage. And I think he wanted my advice because he thought I would tell his wife that she needs to stay with him no matter what. Because God hates divorce. But here was the situation. I do not exaggerate. The guy would get a job and he would work his tail off for several months. He would save up a couple of thousand extra dollars and then he'd simply disappear for two weeks and he'd blow his savings on a hotel room, drugs, alcohol, and prostitutes. And then when he was out of money, he'd come back home, he'd tell his wife how sorry he was, he would get a job, and he would start saving money again for his next bender. And in the several years I knew this guy, he actually did this several times. And each time he would go home and she'd take him back. Wash, rinse, repeat. But at one point, after dealing with this for, no kidding, 20-something years, she'd finally had enough She said she was done, she couldn't do it anymore, and so they came to me for direction, and he believed I would tell her she had to stay with him. I didn't. See, my job is to preach and teach the word of God, not tell people what to do. And so I simply opened my Bible, and I showed them Matthew 19, 9, and I said to her, your husband is exactly the kind of guy Jesus is talking about. If you wanna walk away, Jesus permits you to do so. Now, I haven't seen or heard from them since. I have no idea what became of them. But Jesus is rather clear in cases of persistent adultery and repeated sexual immorality, walking away is the better option. Number two, abandonment. The second situation where it's okay and scriptural to walk away is abandonment. You are not required to stay in a relationship and wait on someone who has abandoned you, divorced you, whatever it might be. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 15, the apostle Paul writes the following words. He says, to the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. And he says that because he's about to quote Jesus from the passage we just read. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord, is still under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but this is not coming from Jesus, it's coming from Paul. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman who has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through a believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But this is the verse I want you to see. It says this. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. Now, there is a lot going on in this section of scripture. Don't have time to dive into it all. Don't have time to unpack it all. Could probably write a book about it all, but summarize as best as I can. Here's what Paul is doing. Paul is making it clear that you cannot leave your spouse for any old reason. He's making that clear. Like there's no, there's no thing in scripture called irreconcilable differences. Paul is making it clear that you can't leave your spouse for any old reason. And if you leave your spouse for just any old reason, and specifically for no good reason, then to marry another is tantamount to adultery. But more to our point today. Paul is speaking to a crowd of new converts. And when some of them converted to Christ, their spouses said, uh, no way. I didn't sign up for that. You're not becoming a Christian. And if you do, we're done. If you become a Christian, we are getting a divorce and I'm leaving. And those new Christians were saying, what do we do? And Paul says to that crowd, if they leave you, divorce you, whatever, you're no longer bound by that marriage, you are free to move on. Paul says you are not bound in that circumstance. Abandonment is a biblical reason to walk away. And number three, abuse. The third situation where it's okay and scriptural to walk away is in the instance of an abusive, captive, oppressive relationship. You know, I don't think as Christians we talk about this enough, but one of the stated purposes of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to set the oppressed free. In Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus said, he was declaring what his ministry, what his message was all about. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He has sent me to recover the sight for the blind and to what? Set the oppressed free. Now, let me tell you what the word oppressed means in the ancient language used here. To oppress means to bruise. To bruise, to break, to break down. 
You see, the gospel of Jesus is not just about the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of relationships, but it's also about justice and freedom for those who have been bruised and broken down. Abuse is a biblical cause to walk away from a relationship. And sadly, all kinds of abuse are frighteningly common in our world today. This is tough to hear, but research tells us that one in five girls, one in five little girls have been sexually abused. And one in 20 boys have been sexually abused. Further, the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy reports that physical abuse is a problem in nearly 20% of all marriages. That's one in five marriages report physical abuse. And what that means is, with the many people who call FCC home, just just think about the numbers. You know, last weekend we had, we had about 500 people here in person, we had about 400 people online, 900 people in church last weekend. Do the math. With those kind of numbers, there are many people who are part of our church who have been physically or sexually abused, who are living in secret pain and hidden shame. And if you've experienced abuse, whether that's at home, at the hands of a spouse, at the hands of a family member, a parent, an uncle, whatever it might be, and you wanna tell your story, FCC will be a safe place for you. We will not dismiss you. We will not dismiss your story. We will do everything within our power to help you get out of that situation and out of that relationship. We will not guilt you or pressure you to stay in an abusive situation. You know why? Because that's the gospel. That's Luke 4.18. To set the bruised and broken free. And that brings us to our takeaway for today. I want to encourage you to connect with people. Connect with people with whom you can safely share your story so that you can find freedom and healing. Connect with people with whom you can safely share your story. There are a number of opportunities that you can connect with others here at FCC. We have Bible studies on Sunday mornings and throughout the week we have small groups and we have ministry teams where people gather together to serve one another and love one another and pray for one another. There are many opportunities for you to connect with others. Reach out to us. We will surround you with people who will love you. Don't be alone in your pain. And we learned last week that it is not good for a person to be alone. And don't be alone, but also don't be in the wrong kinds of relationships. Find ways to connect with people, to get into the right kinds of relationships because through those relationships, God will change your life. Let's pray.
God, I pray for our hearts, for our broken hearts, as we have this very tough conversation today. I pray for those whose lives have been wrecked by broken relationships, for those who have experienced adultery, who have been victims of adultery, for those who have been abandoned, especially for those who have been abused. God, bring healing to these broken hearts through faith in Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, the truth of your word, and through healthy and whole relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.